0: Welcome to AM Best Audio. Good afternoon. I have uh, Awan Makano here with us. Awan, uh, I believe that you're uh, uh, an insurance-linked securities cyber expert. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time and the opportunity uh, to share your views. If I, could, if I could start, could you actually give some background to what is the uh, insurance-linked securities?
1: Absolutely, Rob. First, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. Now, if we look at uh, sources of funding for the insurance industry, insurance-linked security plays an important role as it provides a diversifier in terms of the capital sources that reinsurance can rely upon. Insurance-linked securities, you could see it as the reinsurance for reinsurers, because it's allowed them to increase the capacity of their book without dipping into their balance sheet. So what you do is you bring investors from outside the insurance sector to invest in insurance risk. Which risk? It could depend. The most known ILS sector is the cat bond or catastrophic bonds that lead with, uh, that uh, cover natural disaster perils, yes. so tropical cyclone or typhoon and uh, earthquake are the most common. Yes. Now the sector has evolved and has evolutionized to include other types of risks. Uh, now you have lives as well in ILS and you have specialty risks that also can be covered by the sector. So this is a growing market as we speak? Um, it is expanding the type of perils that it covers and cyber is one that has been in in talk for roughly a decade, but very few transactions managed to materialize. In the past five years or so, there have been private transactions that have taken place, but not very large, and now we're starting to move into the security side or the public transactions, which is when it gets really interesting because you open another door, which is the secondary market. Yes. So you're, you're currently, if you like,
0: uh, it, more advanced than the former stages in Singapore,
1: but could you explain what is the strategy from using Singapore as your base? So the idea is to find a location that allows us to cover the market uh, on a reasonable fashion. When you look at Asia-Pacific, it's not just one uniform region. No. You have a lot of differences when you go from one country to the other. But you have to have a wider understanding of the region as a whole in order to make the most of those differences. So what we're trying to do is understand what would be the best option for us to expand and then have a logical and reasonable strategy behind that. That's interesting. So
0: could you sort of enlighten us to what some of the challenges and hurdles are
1: starting from that basis? Well, how many variations within the different markets within the region is one of those challenges, because ideally you could have a, a more unified view of yes. how to tackle this market, but there are very peculiar Uh, idiosyncrasies that make that a little bit challenging. The other one is we are a company that is headquartered in the US. Yes. We have a presence in London. Yes. And as well in Estonia where we have uh, a group of engineers. However, the time difference makes it challenging sometimes. So getting that balance right is, is one of the challenges as well. Uh, it's, it's always the joys of being available 24 hours a day isn't it Juan? It, it certainly is when you have to start your day at five in the morning to take a call from Asia and you finish near to midnight with a call with the west coast in the US. Yeah. And if they're not in a good mood, it doesn't make for a peaceful night's sleep. But uh, Well, it actually helps you to sleep because you're so tired. But the problem <laughs> is you have to be really on the money throughout that period of time. So you, you, you
0: raised a really interesting point there that, the, if you like, the different environments within the Asian region in particular, it's uh, uh, different government philosophies, there's different uh, outlooks on how they want to develop their insurance industry and their penetration. How does that work from a uh, strategic overview
1: from uh, your perspective? So in terms of what what we are particularly interested, which is cyber, um, the the regulatory environment is is the most critical one. Because how the regulators uh, see uh, cyber risk is what really the approach that you have to take. We are a model vendor, so what we try to do is provide the analytics that will help you characterize that particular risk in the closest uh, possible fashion. So in order to do that, we need to understand what the key differences between the regulatory environments and the local markets are, so we can reflect that in the products that we develop. That's a very simple answer for a very
0: complex question, so I appreciate (laughs) the way you've worded that. uh, My limited understanding is because of your traditional insurance and reinsurance regulatory environment, having to meet, if you like, many hurdles, how does that
1: impact what you're trying to achieve? So we start on on the simpler of, of levels. And then we go from complexity and uh, sophistication and we go from there. So first we need to understand the data that will feed the models that we build. Right. So once we have a good grasp on the data that backs the information that we produce, then you have a good building block. Then you go in levels of complexity and sophistication, and you start applying the different types of policies, the different types of wordings, and then uh, scenarios that apply or don't apply to specific regions.
0: Customize your data experience. BestLink now offers an interactive company dashboard that provides company-level intelligence in a fast, user-friendly interface featuring interactive tables, charts, and Sparkline performance histories. Customize the dashboard tiles to prioritize the insurer readings, data and analytics that best support your workflow. AM best, our insight, your advantage. How would you consider the current state of people's understanding and interpretation of cyber
1: as a risk and the actual management of that risk? So cyber has been an insurance product for over two decades in one sort of another. Now, in the last decade or last five years, is it's really taken a step up in terms of the level of understanding and sophistication. Education. And, and no in small measure by the um, development of cyber models, both on the attritional loss side and on the catastrophic side as well. So the understanding of the underlying risk has increased significantly but it's no small effort that had gone into from the entire value chain, from primary insurers to reinsurers and now capital markets to understand the complexities of cyber as an an asset class or a peril. So cyber is not just this one big blob that covers all perils now, as it used to be. Now you have specific perils that can be discreetly separated and underwritten with limits. And if you like, uh, Cybercube's
0: focus is, by its definition, name is Cyber. But you're finding is the more you get involved in the product development, that you're actually broadening the product to, if you like, say from two decades ago, unknown risks and unknown outcomes and unknown claims experience. How's that driving Cybercube going forward?
1: So what we're providing is the basis to understand those differences. So the analytics that we provide the insurers and the reinsurers and the brokers allow them to understand and segment those different perils. So by clarifying what an event definition and the type of perils that they are actually covering by separating them by technology, by the redundancies available, by the type of uh, threat actor, then you can start making those differences that make the Sparrow more discreet. Yes. So
0: can you share with us some of the new development tools that you've been using, if you like, to
1: progress the understanding and education? So uh, if we start with our aggregation model, Portfolio Manager, which is a tool mostly for the reinsurance sector and from large primary insurers that hold a book to understand their exposure, This tool allows them to get a better understanding of what is the likelihood of a catastrophic event here in their book, yes, or how the accumulation is building up in terms of uh, industry, company size, or even geography as well. Okay, and what's your
0: perception of the capital and the sustainability of capital in the reinsurance market and the alternative risk transfer markets as we speak and
1: where you think that will go going forward? So in terms of capacity, I believe that the insurance sector on cyber risk at the moment, it doesn't have a problem with capacity. I think the market has the capacity that it has appetite for. Now, that doesn't mean that the current capacity will feed the growth that is projected. So there has to be more capacity release within the current environment, Mm -hmm. and also the participation of alternative risk transfer or ILS will help that.
0: So it actually supports rather than hinders the process? Oh,
1: absolutely, absolutely. The role of the alternative risk capital is to provide alternative funding for the reinsurance industry to grow their book.
0: And with the recent increase in exposures and catastrophes, and
1: particularly in the cyber area what impact is that having on cybercube so well i wouldn't go as far as call catastrophes in the cyberspace we haven't yet seen what you will call a catastrophic event in cyber we've seen major events there have been significant near losses but most of the uh, uh, events can be absorbed by the industry without major incident having said that there is the possibility of a major event just Around, around the corner, corner. Yeah, like, and the, well, the problem your, is uh, that is 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 those unknown unknowns side the much maligned uh, donald brunsville that you need to be aware of understood and thank you for that
0: clarification juan is there anything else that while well, we've got this opportunity that you'd like to share with us so that we get a better understanding or you'd like to put out there because it is an interesting space and a lot of people myself included probably
1: have limited knowledge of how this part of the industry works. I think it's a fascinating space and it has a lot of room to improve and to grow. And especially here in the Asia Pacific region where cyber is still a very small portion of the entire insurance industry. There is demand for the product. Uh, Asia can benefit from the lessons learned in the US and Europe, and they have a much thriving technical e- environment that would allow for that growth to materialize in a relatively short time frame. So getting a grasp on how the different sources of uh, uh, funding for the reinsurance industry are available and help them on the learning curve or the understanding of cyber as an asset class will be key for the development of the sector a little bit of like watch this space isn't it really I will certainly say watch this space there are uh, a lot of moving parts but everything finally this year everything seems to be falling into place for uh, some very interesting developments in the near future I
0: appreciate you taking the time to have a chat to us Juan hopefully we'll see you in 12 months and just take this off wish much, you Rob. good luck
1: with it all thank, thank you Juan